Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Like uh, Dr. Matt said, Pastor Matt said, I, I preached a message on the storm a couple, uh, couple weeks ago. And really the, the, the concept of it is that there are storms in life. Jesus says, when the storms come, you know what I mean? Is your, what's your house built on? Is it built on the sand? Is it going to be built on the rock? And uh, we have to know that we can go through any storm because Jesus goes through the storm. Jesus actually created the planet, and he knew there were going to be storms because he knew how things needed to be watered. And so we live here on earth, and we're like, oh, no, a storm is coming. And Jesus is like, yeah, this is a perfect one, you know. I made this one. This is nice. Look at that big circle, you know. He created it, and he's, he's resting in the story that we, we referenced. Uh, he's sleeping in the bow of the boat. And he's got his own pillow, which the authors, you know, got every word of the Bible is, is from God. So I, no author was like, I, I think he had a pillow. No, he had a pillow. And he brought it, and, the, and God was like, you know what? I want you to mark this down. My son had a pillow in the boat, you know what I mean? For everyone to read for all eternity, Jesus had a pillow, carried it with him wherever he wanted. It's a great, just a great thing. One of those things about the Bible, he's like, what a totally awesome detail, because God loves details. But if Jesus is napping in the boat, we should not be worried. He wakes up, they wake him up like, don't you know we're gonna die? He's like, we're not gonna die, I'm in the boat. I have a purpose, I don't know if you guys are getting this yet, but nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. So stop worrying, grab a pillow, and let's nap, y'all. That was my translation, by the way. But... The question then I want to get to this morning is, what happens when we create the storms? Our decisions, our actions, our seed being thrown, all that kind of stuff. What happens when we create the storm in life? And I want to look at a couple different examples, three archetypes, which is a fancy word for saying an original that can be imitated, three different types of storms in the Bible that were created by people and what happened and how they fixed it. So a little bit of spiritual, a little bit of practical, and a little bit of jokes mixed in. Amen? One of the things about owning the storm, and I like to talk about this as kind of one of my hallmark life messages, is about maturity. Maturity means accepting responsibility. And the less responsibility you accept in life, the more immature you're going to be. We live in a generation where a lot of people are just shirking responsibility. Yeah, I went to college. Yeah, I got a $100,000 loan. You pay for it. I don't think that's how it works. I didn't choose your gender studies. If you would ask me what college degree I would have had, I would have given you something in the Bible at least. But I'm not going to pay 100k because you decided to take out a loan to go choose something that's demonic anyway. Sorry, is this this is 11:50 a.m. All right, are you just yeah? Okay, I'm just checking if I'm in the right church. Awaken, okay. What happens is, as as parents, we want our kids to accept responsibility, right? Like, we've got three amazing teenagers, like I said, but still, the longest, the the farthest distance on planet Earth is the sink to the dishwasher. Like, it's just, I left it open, and you still put it in the sink, though. 
why am I doing your dish? I didn't eat it. You didn't make it for me. I paid for the dish and the food. So get some amen. Okay, now we're warming up. Okay, now you're starting to feel it. Okay, elbow your neighbor and tell them this is getting better. This is getting better. Okay, so we want people to accept responsibility because that leads to maturity. That includes us ourselves. We need to accept responsibility. Jesus Christ was the most mature person who ever lived because he accepted the responsibility of all humanity, past, present, and future. On the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they've done. I'm accepting all the responsibility of all the mistakes that all the world has done for all eternity. I am receiving, I am accepting responsibility. But we get out there and we're playing, you know, like one-on-one, you know, parenting, like helicopter parenting. No, 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 no. Don't. Get away from my kid. Back, back, back. You know what I mean? And the kid's over just eating sand. No, he can't eat sand. Better than Cheetos. I mean, God made the sand. It's going to go right through them. The Cheetos are going to stick in there and, and for a long time. And, and I celebrate eating Cheetos. Okay, How many Cheetos eaters we got up in here? Look at them. Look at them. See them all? Wherever two or three are gathered, Lord, you be in the midst. <laughs> You've got to accept that responsibility. And our job as parents, and this is a separate message, but just good to know, uh, is we want to teach our kids how to accept responsibility. If you do everything for them, they will never become mature. So we've got to be like, how do we level them up in responsibility? Here's a bill now, right? I'm preaching to myself this morning. Here's, here's a gas bill. <laughs> Sorry, it's 520 in California, you know. But we've got to accept responsibility. One of the most important things we have to understand um, about storms and how they're caused is the, always the root of it is a lack of connection or a no connection or a poor connection. We, I do Zoom meetings like all the time and I'm on Zoom, I work remotely from my house overlooking the ocean, things like that. I'm blessed. It, some of you need to just tell yourself you're blessed because you're like ashamed to do it. Oh, I'm, I'm not blessed, I'm not blessed, I'm a worm. And like, no, you're blessed. Jesus says you're blessed, says you're favored, seated in heavenly places. Get out of the shame spiral, moving right along. Anyways, I'm on Zoom, and I get this little notification that says your connection is unstable. And I'm like, oh, no wonder everything's going to, and I'm just like, I can't understand a word they're saying. If we don't keep our connection with God, if we don't keep that connection unbroken, we're, we're only going to get pieces of the message. And what happens when you get pieces of the message, you start thinking you know what was supposed to happen, and you only got pieces and parts of it, and you're like, well, I think this is the right way to go. Next thing you know, storms are flowing all over the place, and you're like, going, oh, what did I do? What did I do? Take me home. No place like home. You know, how did I get here, Dorothy? This is not Kansas anymore. We're in California. But anyway, so you see that when we don't have a stability, when we don't have that connection with God, we lose out on the full message that God wants for us, that God wants to speak to us. And so I'll bring it down to this next level. You are, are you ready for this one? Just wave at me if you're ready for this one. Okay, okay, you said it. You're open to feedback. Here we go. You are as close to God as you want to be. Some people are clapping because they're like, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. We, we tend to think God's afar off, way up in heaven. Hello. Is he past Beetlejuice, the crazy star up there for you, not the movie. 
The star up there, is he way up there? No, he's, he's here with us, inside of us, dwelling inside of us. He's right here. He wants to be. You are as close to God as you want to be. And so if you find yourself the old, like, pastor, I just, if you find yourself walking away from God, let's see who walked away. And it's you, by the way. You know what I mean? You're the one. God's over there, and you're like, ah, where did God go? He's like, I'm over here. Oh, here you are. And that's actually repentance. I'm going back to God. I was walking away and going back to God. You are as close to God as you want to be. So what do we do? We get close to God. We push in. We press in. We want to desire to get more of God. You're as close to God. So moving into these three archetypes, the number one, okay? This one's about Jonah, the book of Jonah. How many of you ever read Jonah? Okay, I'm asking a lot of questions because you're a little quiet this morning. Just, just if you're with me. Okay, all right. Here we go. Jonah chapter one says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, Crowd against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare. That was nice. Went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he's running away after hearing the voice of God. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners, not from Seattle, were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said, let's cast lots. Then it falls on Jonah, and he goes, hey, what do we gotta do to get rid of the storm? And Jonah says, if you throw me over the boat, everything will be fine. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you it is living and sharper and powerful, able to divide between the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God, I pray that the word would go deep down into the good soil of the hearts of every person here and awaken this morning online as well. It'll produce a harvest of 30, 60, 100-fold, and everybody who believed that shouted... Amen and amen. The thing about Jonah was he had heard the word of God, but then he was like, you know what? I am not going to listen to this. I actually, uh, I don't want to go to Nineveh. It's a big, scary city. They don't serve God there. A couple of them have neck tattoos. I saw somebody with a nose piercing. I can't go there. It's too scary, God. Runs off, pays the fare. That's just, one, again, a detail. The Lord's like, hey, make sure that you put the Jonah paid the fare. That was good of him. You know, but one of my kids, you know, pays the fare, goes into the bottom of the boat, takes a nap. No pillow. We don't, we don't know if there's no pillow. But I'm going to assume that there was a pillow because it's biblical. He gets down to the bottom of the boat, lays on a pillow. All of a sudden, the storm comes. All the mariners, these are, you know, not the baseball team again. This is, these are, you know, sea guys, sailors, as some people call them. Uh, and they're out in the boat, and all of a sudden, this storm whips up, and they're like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? What's going on here? And so they're like, they're casting lots. Which one of you did this, you know? Doesn't happen. Finally, they go down there. Jonah's still sleeping. They cast lots around him. Boom, it lands on Jonah. This guy, the sleeper, they're like, get up. What have you done to make us, you know, fall into this storm? And this is exactly the way the world operates, is we get so caught up and so hidden and so lazy in our rebellion, we don't even know that there's a storm going on around us. We don't know that we're ruining people's lives, endangering them. We're just too busy going, no, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm number one. I'm the man. I'm the original snowflake, and nobody can do what I, you know. 
right? And they're this plowing through world thinking, I know what's best. I'm a billionaire. I'm also a scientist, according to the internet. I can do whatever I want. Here, take this shot. Wear a mask. Here, try this vaccine. Here, sorry, this is getting a little deep, huh? I'm not trying to get political. I'm just trying to relay an example of somebody who's so oblivious that they're, they're willing to put their will ahead of billions of people's worldview because they think they're right, even though they're in the bottom of the boat, asleep to their own sin, asleep to their own mistakes, endangering, killing, and setting people on a wrong path. This example is, I know, I heard the voice of God. I know the will of God. I refuse the will of God. That's what they're saying. See, Romans, Paul says in Romans, everybody on earth has a revelation that there is a God, okay? You can go ahead and you can be like, oh no, I believe in a big bang. In the beginning, there was nothing, and all of a sudden, that nothing collided into something other nothing, and a kaboom, and then shrimp were formed. And from that shrimp, you have this. Some of you are wondering, is this what a heavenly body will look like? We don't know, we do not know. It takes so much work to not believe in God. It's so much harder. Boy, that sure was a coincidence. That's weird. No, it was God. He's working on your behalf. That's why he's always doing that. He's always bringing it around. Here it comes. It's coming on. It's coming. God's coming along. Boom. Okay, that was God. Now I believe. Jonah had to be thrown into the ocean, into the mercy of God, so that he could be swallowed up by the fish and had to think about it for a little bit. You know what I mean? He's just in there. What am I gonna do now? God's like, remember when I said, you go to the city, you preach, that's it. Oh, I get it. Squirts him out on the land right in front of Nineveh. That was convenient. I didn't pay the fare. Life is too short to run away from God. Life is too short to run away from God. It's too short to do your own thing, to think that you can work it out, to think that the billions of people that have been here before you have lived a life living for Jesus, that they didn't know what they were talking about. The minute you came on the earth, you were the smartest person, and it was all about you. That's not the way to live. Life's too short to live that way. Life's too long to be with Jesus. So that's why we turn ourselves and say, this little blip right here is so that I can spend eternity with Jesus. So stop sinning, turn around, Stop doing what you're doing. Stop thinking you're the only one on planet Earth and repent and come back to Jesus. Repentance is one of the greatest words in all of the Bible. It's so good because what happens is we get into our sin and we start getting weary and worn out and we do, next thing you know, we're doing crazy stuff to keep sin nature from like sort of supporting us. Now we're, we're numbing our pain with Netflix binging. Now, we're, now it's like alcohol, now it's drugs, now whatever. We're sitting here trying to numb ourselves to keep the, the, the presence of sin from overwhelming us and Jesus is like, hey, if you wanna remove that burden, all you gotta do is repent. All you gotta do is turn away from where you were going and come back to Jesus. It says in the book of Acts, chapter three, he says, repent so that times of refreshing, how many of you can go for some refreshing, can come from the presence of the Lord. That's not a, that's not a, a hell and brimstone word. That's a glorious, grace, mercy, refreshing word. Repent, woo, I repented this morning. For what? That's between me and God. 
Our second example. Hold on here. There it is. Bah, boom. Acts chapter 27. Looking at Paul. Paul's going to Rome. Okay, a little Italian vacation, right? Nice. No, God called him to Rome and says, hey, I need you to preach this in front of Caesar. Like, that's, that's pretty dope. Paul's like, all right, I'll do it. So here we are in Acts 27. The voyage to Rome begins. Verse 8, passing it with difficulty. This is Luke narrating. We came to a place called Fair Havens. Sounds nice. Near the city of Lycia. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them. So Paul's giving some spiritual wisdom here, saying, man, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion, who was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner, a.k.a. the people that paid him and were around him, of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter, and the majority advised to set sail from there, also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest, and winter there. So now they're in Phoenix, this little harbor. When the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete, but not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurachlodon. <laughs> Just sounds like, release the Kraken. <laughs> that was the original version. Paul says to him, hey, guys, uh, I think we should just stay here for a little bit. He, Paul hears from God, speaking to these guys. None of these guys are saved. Roman centurion, helmsman, owner of the boat. He says, hey, I think this is uh, not a good idea. We should just stay here. The Holy Spirit just kind of spoke to me and says, we should not. We should not go. They're like, you know what? You didn't pay the fare. No. <laughs> we're going to follow this because we know what we're doing. We're going we're gonna to find the right wind, and then we're going to take off. We're experienced sailors. And, uh, and then we find the right thing, we're going to go. So they go, he goes, okay, well, whatever. And uh, <clears throat> they get in the boat as soon as they get out. And, you know, God's up in heaven, and he's like, you know, I'm big into boats. I want to have a lot of boat theme in this, in this Bible. So let's do a lot of storms and boats. And he kind of just is like, ah, boat, 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 boat. So they're in the boat, in the ocean, and guess what happens? A storm comes up out of nowhere, and, of course, they all, you know, they're, they're going through this storm for several days. They've gotten rid of everything, and Paul finally says in the middle of the storm, he's like, hey, guys, you should have listened to me on the first time. However, because I'm such a nice guy, I pray to God, and none of you will die. We will lose a couple sheep, though, but the rest of us are going to live. Grab a board and get ready to float to the islands. So in the middle of all this stuff, Paul is still interceding on behalf of them. In the middle of the storm, there's somebody there who's praying for these people who can't pray for themselves. What this represents to me is I hear the voice of God, I know the will of God, but I walk in the flesh. See, Paul gave them the word, they heard the word, and then this Bible, the verse in 13 says this, when the south wind blew softly, feels good, nice little soft southern breeze, supposing they had obtained their desire, sensing is another, it says sensing that they had obtained the right wind, ooh, nice. The thing about the word sensing here is we see in James, he says, the wisdom that comes from God is first pure, peaceable, willing to yield, full of et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then he goes, but the wisdom that comes from man is sensual and demonic. Now, it doesn't mean like sensual. That was a bigger hip hop than the 9 a.m. It doesn't mean that kind of sensual. 
It means pertaining to the five senses, what I can hear, what I can, what I can see, what I can talk about, whatever, whatever the fifth one is, right? It's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's pertaining to the senses. Like, instead of walking by, what do we do when we walk by? Right, we walk by faith. As a believer, we're supposed to walk by faith, not by our senses. So here they are in the boat. They, Paul already told them, I heard the voice of God. We should not go on this trip. I know the will of God. We should not go on this trip today. And they're like, we got this. Don't you worry about it. Sensing they got the right way. Now, you may be in here and you may be an expert in your field. And you may be able to see the signs in the stock market. But if you're not hearing the voice of God and obeying the voice of God and walking in the voice of God, you're not walking by faith. And so what happens is we get into church and we start living a life for Jesus and we start walking the way God wants us to walk and we get comfortable and we start saying, okay, yeah, this is good. I can do this. I can do this. And then you're like, well, I did this last time. I'm going to do it again. And God's like, time out. Stop. You need to go this way because what worked before will not get you there. What the, the battle you did on this one is not the same battle that you had over here. They may look the same, but I need you just to check in. Give me just a little sanity check. Hey, what, uh, Holy Spirit, what did, you, what did you want me to do in this situation? It's a little deep. But we have to constantly be in communion with the Holy Spirit, hearing the voice of God. What steps of faith are you taking right now? What are you believing for? What are you asking God for? And not just asking, what are you listening God for? What is he saying to you? What's he, how did he say it? Sometimes God speaks through his word. A lot of times it should be speaking through his word. Sometimes God speaks through your pastors, right? That's the harder one because it's people. We think like, well, I can hear God for myself, except that we are not, right? We kind of shut ourselves up and be like, well, this is what I want to do. And then somebody's got to come along and be like, hey, what are you doing? Uh, sleeping? <laughs> Get up. You need to step in faith. We need that nudging. We need that. See, Paul didn't have the people around him to encourage him to, to walk out. You know, I mean, all those guys that were around him, they were all unsaved. Who's, who's around you right now in your life? Who's speaking into your life? Are they just sensing the right opportunity, sensing the right way? Oh, I got this killer opportunity. You get one person, and then they get two people, and then they get three people, and then they get four people. And we'll all be billionaires. But for the Lord. That's always the slide it in there. You can build the kingdom. Who, who's around you who's saying, you know what? This is the word of the Lord. We, we should not do that. We should not go this direction. We need to go a different direction. We need to take a different boat. We need to wait for the right moment. This seems like the right moment. Okay, let's check the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, is this the right moment? No. Okay, I'll wait. And then you gotta wait. One of, my, one of my big goals, thanks to Dr. Matt, I put up goals every year. <clears throat> one of my big goals this year was preaching on a Sunday morning. <clears throat> now, knowing Dr. Matt, I could have just been to him been and said like, hey, I wanna preach on a Sunday morning. You know what I mean? And he would have been like, hey, let's pray about it and think about it. But I didn't tell him my goal. I just said, this is a goal between me and the Holy Spirit. Wrote on my whiteboard, prayed about it, because I want it to be from God. I know Dr. Matt could make it happen because he's, he's a guy who makes things happen. You know what I mean? He does it by the Spirit. 
And so he was like, no, I'm going to listen to God and, and hear it. And all of a sudden he says, Casey needs to preach. And that's, that's the beauty of listening. And I waited. That was, that was from January 1. It's now August. I could have got antsy and been like, hey, <laughs> Dr. Matt, ain't got any Sundays you're going to be gone, you know? <clears throat> uh, I don't think so. Why? Oh, no reason. No reason. Just wanted to preach. <laughs> Could have done that, right? But I want it to be real. I want it to be from the Holy Spirit. I want it, so I just prayed about it, found my little prayer place, in my, which is in my bedroom, and just prayed and just said, God, this is all you. This is a goal you, I put, you put on my heart, I think. We'll see if it happens. Prayed for it, prayed for it, believed for it. Bada bing, bada boom, got it. <clears throat> that's, that's the message. That's the message. <clears throat> Next one, okay, the last one, last point. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 30, it says this. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come, you, come to you on the water. And so Jesus said, Come. And when Peter had walked, come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, say boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. <clears throat> In every situation, Jesus is walking through the water, walking on the storm, through the storm, on the water. He's passing by. It doesn't bother him. He created the storm. So he doesn't have to worry about the storm. He can make it stop if he wants to. He can walk through the middle of it if he wants to. He can ride on the lightning if he wants to. He could swim on the clouds. He can do whatever he wants. He's the Lord of all heaven, right? All of everything obeys his voice and his word. And because of that, and the reason why that is more specifically is because he was in perfect communion with the Father all the time. Him, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father all together all the time. Wherever two or three are gathered, a thing shall be established. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, it'll happen, it'll come to pass. So he walked in perfect communion with the Father and the Holy Spirit all the time. So he could walk in perfect agreement. He had the perfect friend group, so to speak, that got him through everything. Contrast that with Job. Job gets in a storm and all of his buddies, Job even says to him, he's like, you guys are miserable comforters. You guys are blaming me for this thing. And I'm looking at myself going, I, I don't think I did this one for the first time. And his buddy's like, no, there's sin in your heart. I know it. Look at, you're, you're not, you're sick. That means you did something wrong. No, it's a storm. He's in the middle there and, there, and finally he gets a revelation. God says, let's have a conversation, Job. And this is an emerge message, but he says, I want to speak to you like a man. I want to speak to you like the man. If, if you want to really know what God has to say, you better be prepared to receive what he's going to say. See, revelations from God are not always like, you're blessed, you're favored. Sometimes, like Isaiah, 
Isaiah says this, woe is me for I am undone. He sees the beauty of God and it's contrasted with the sinfulness of himself. And he's like, what should I do? And God says, I'm gonna help you. And he comes, he takes a hot coal and he burns his lips and he says, now you can go preach the gospel. Sort of, it's Old Testament. When we get a revelation of how good God is, when we get a revelation that Jesus is walking through the storm, we can begin to say, number one, I'm gonna walk with you. And number two, I'm gonna encourage my friends to do the same. I don't need a friend group who says, yeah, man, that sucks. Sorry. I don't need a friend group that says, you're messed up. I need a friend group that says, let's find out what's going on. I need a friend group that'll say, hey, this is a sanity check. What's God saying? Or, hey, I heard God, and here's what he's saying to you. What do you think? I need a friend group that's gonna be around me that's gonna push me to walk on water, that's gonna charge me to step out in faith, to walk in faith, to move in faith, to believe for bigger things, to have bigger goals, to lift up my eyes from whence comes my help. It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I need a friend group that'll be around me to help me walk that way. And that brings us back down to this idea of connection. Who are you connected to? We do connect groups not because every church does them. Well, we need to have connect groups because other churches do it. No, we do it because Jesus gave us a mandate to make disciples of all the nations. And if you're not in a connect group, and this is, this is a plug. I was saying, well, it's not a plug. It is a total plug for connect groups. <clears throat> Get in a connect group. And if you're in a connect group, prepare yourself to lead. And if you're a leader of a connect group, prepare yourself to coach because we gotta be keep moving up and up. There are too many people who need Jesus, who need to be discipled, that we can't just think all about ourselves. This is my group. No, get a vision, see above. The common denominator is connection. This last point is, I hear the voice of God, I know the will of God, and I walk on water. We have the ability to walk and to do what Jesus did. Don't go walk on water physically, but I want you to step out in faith. It's time to step out in faith. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying that to you this morning, to us, to this church, it's time to step out in faith. If your friends are not encouraging you to step out in faith, in the wisdom and the faith of God, it's time to think about what group you're hanging out with. Who are you spending time? It's time to step out in faith. It's time to step out in faith. Some of you have been settling with your, with your healing or lack of healing, with your sickness and be like, I'm always gonna be this way. It's time to step out in faith. Some of you had spoken a vow. I'll always be this way. My finances will always be like, it's time to step out in faith. My children, they, they were born like that. It's time to step out in faith. The economy, the inflation, the whatever it is, it's time to step out in faith. God's kingdom supersedes this world and we are a part of his kingdom.
It's not time to settle. It's not time to draw back. We are not those who draw back, but we are those who believe under the saving of the soul. There's too many people just in San Marcos. There's too many people just in San Diego. There's too many people who need Jesus. Everyone stand as we close this morning. When you're connected to God, you begin to lift up your eyes. If you get your eyes on the wind and the waves, you're always going to sink. But the minute you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, you will begin to walk on water. And this morning, I believe that there's a response for many of you about needing to walk on water, needing to step out in faith. But before I ask you to come down to receive prayer, maybe you're the Jonah in the room. Maybe you're running away from God, saying, no, I don't, I don't need it. That's weird. That's for my crazy aunt and my crazy uncle. They serve the Lord. No, it's for you. Jesus is for you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in this place this morning and you say, I've been running away from Jesus and I want to change that. I want to repent and come to Jesus. I just want you to lift up your hand and wave at me. Just me and you listening, looking. Thank you for that hand. Just wave at me. Just wait. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Way in the back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a step of faith, and I just want you to come down to this altar. I want you to come down. It's, it's a symbol of repentance. I want you to come down, and just we're going to pray for you, but I want you to, if you raise your hand for that, just come on down. Come on. So God, so good. Every one of these lives are about to be transformed forever. No longer are you going to be caught up in the storm, but this morning you're escaping the storm right now. We have some of our altar team come behind them, but we're all going to pray this prayer together out loud. What the heart man believes, with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we're going to say this all together. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm turning around. I'm no longer running away from you. I'm running to you. I'm coming into your presence. I'm serving you forever. I thank you for grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.